Would you look at that? We made it to the big number 10. Episode 10, Kev. Did you ever think we were going to make it here? I never thought we were actually going to do the podcast. I thought we were just going to keep pushing it off, have it be a dream. But here we are, number 10. That's awesome. Are you having fun? Always having fun with you, Jake. Oh, ooh, I love you, honey. But I'm, <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad we made it to episode 10. And I'm glad to announce that we have a special guest on today's podcast. I know we heard him just... I think it was a week and a half ago, but Mr. Connor Green's return to talk some Bruins, talk some football, maybe some trade rumors. How are you feeling today, Connor? Hey, I'm glad to be back. It's nice to uh, be able to meet Kev this time around and uh, I guess be the uh, the third wheel to your guys' uh, romance over here. Yeah, it's fun, right? Sometimes it's fun to be the third wheel. You get to see how everything works, maybe jump in a little bit. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'll stop with the semantics. Let's jump into it, right, guys? How the hell have our Boston Bruins looked since the new year? Who wants to start? You know what, Connor? You know, guess on or you can start. Let's hear it. How have our Bruins looked? Well, outside of a little bit of a stumble against the Minnesota Wild, they have been absolutely en fuego to start oh, the year. Some Spanish, wow. <laughs> and I, I could see this with the insertion of Rask coming back into the lineup, I could see them catapulting themselves into the top three in the Atlantic with this. It's been really impressive play over the last week. This is the Boston Bruins that everybody expected to see. Yep. I agree a hundred percent. Kev, have you liked what you've seen? Yeah, I'm loving it. Just like we always talk like every episode about the secondary scoring and that's what's finally there. You have these guys on the second, third, fourth line coming out getting goals and you look at like each game it's pretty much going four or five six goals a game so can't really yeah. ask more than that no i mean really what like when you look at the way we're playing in our offensive output you really cannot you can't ask for more right like we're getting exactly what we hope from this team and it's it's really about i think the new lines and finding balance but very fast before we deep dive into this dive deep i just a deep dive into this that was good i do want to thank connor for using a word in spanish because i've been looking a lot at our different our analytics and our stats and 0.22 percent of our listeners are actually coming from mexico so i think they will probably appreciate that oh nice <laughs> back to our regular scheduled programming um <laughs> yeah i how do you guys feel about the bruins new lines i think that we touched on it last week but we've really gotten to see it now we get to see it work and it looks good to me yeah, I mean, uh, the top line is what you expect. doesn't matter who you pair up with Bergeron and Marshan. They're going to be able to produce. And Craig Smith is an absolute shot machine, so it's always yeah. nice to have that on your top line. Um, Hall and Pasternak have looked themselves, and I think Eric Halla looks so much better in the 2C slot compared to Charlie Coyle because of the style of play. One of the things that always drove me nuts about people breaking down Taylor Hall and his fit on the Bruins, he likes to possess the puck and he likes to be a playmaker. He's actually not the sniper that most people attribute him to be. He's nope. a playmaking winger. So having somebody like Coyle playing, you know, up the middle between those two never made sense to me because he's a puck possession center, which just makes sense on your third line. As far as the bottom six goes, I mean, they've been producing, don't get me wrong, but it's still hard to tell what the bottom six is because of all these injuries and COVID that's been coming through the bottom six. No line has really been solidified together for longer than two games, three games max. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely with that. I think the top two lines are what they should be with our current roster construction. To touch on Hala, I, I agree with you. I don't think he's a better player than Coyle, but he's a better fit for that second line. It's that simple. Coyle's a possession player. He plays slow. He slows the game down. He he sees the ice well. He makes plays. But that's Hall's job on that line. You're paying Hall to be that guy, and Hall's going to be that guy. He's the big dog on that line when it's him and Coyle. You know what I mean? Now it's him and Pasta, and Pasta doesn't need to possess the puck all that much. He can. He will. He doesn't need to to make points, to create points. He really doesn't. 
Mm-hmm. And I think the goal we saw the other night where they flew down the ice, pasta to Hall. Hall makes the nice the nice move, fake shot, passes it to pasta, top shelf off the release. That is the dream situation with those two. It's what I've envisioned since he joined the team. The bottom six is tough right now. We need to they're, – they're producing – they are. We need to solidify who they are. I think that's important. Um, that's kind of my point with that. Getting Nosek back, he looked a lot better, a lot better than – Anything else we have down there right now? He just he drives play, and I like to see that. That Cap, dish that he had last oh, yeah. night. Oh my Marshall. god! Ridiculous Ooh. little backdoor tapper. That was so nice. I know, I know that that's something you you know you're not getting right now out of a Trent Frederick. You're just not. You're not mm-hmm. getting that out of bleed. You're not getting out of Kuhlman. And that's I'm at, I'm almost at my eh, point with Kuhlman. I don't know. I just don't know. He doesn't fit in to me. He's the next guy I think that we start to see kind of phased out. I don't know how you how do you guys feel about that? Do you see like Kev, do you see anything with the lines you like or the cool Yeah, no, I just you? I just love having Paws on that second line. He just like looks more free and just that fires back with him. Just all the goal scoring that he's been having is just it's positive. He's back there having fun, doing what doing, being a little flashy, and then Marcy's up there just doing what he's always done. So it's a good balance to have, though. It's not just, hey, you get this goal, I get that goal on the same line. It's just they can feed off each other. Like, you're off the ice, no, I'm going to dominate. Yep, I, I agree with that completely, right? You look at Pasta and Marchand, and we were we were so stuck to the idea they had to play together because we were brainwashed by Bruce Cassidy. That's, I really feel that way because they're both like they can do it on their own. So Marchand is playing even better without Pasta on his side, and Pasta is playing better than he was with Marshawn on his side. So it's just proven that we have the depth on our top end to make it work, right? I mean, Connor, you gave me a little look there. Do you agree, disagree? What are you thinking? Yes, I do. Uh, one of the things that's been interesting about the whole Pasternak scenario is he's showing he's more streaky this year than he's ever been. Yeah. So I'm, I'm waiting to see if this keeps going, now that Taylor Hall seems to have caught his stride or if Pasternak's going to go, you know, on another slide here in the next couple weeks, because that's the trend that's, that's happened so far this season. Agreed. It's like he lights it up, he lights it up, then he gets cold for two weeks. We have to hope that doesn't happen because Pasta is capable of catching fire and staying hot for the remainder of the season. We all know that because we've seen it, mm-hmm. but does it happen? That's a question that only time will answer. So we look yeah. at all the lines. Oh, yep. Sorry. Oh, no, I was going to go back when you said, like, how Bruce Cassidy had his brainwash, which brings up, like, what David, David Crutchy came out and said. Yeah. It's like, it's like impossible for me to ever get him, even though the chemistry was there in every game we had him. So it's different now seeing that Bruce is, like, willing to do it now that like, your best number two center is gone. But yeah, I know. And the only thing I have to say to that is we don't, sometimes it's like tough with the translations from Czech to English. So we can't be like exactly sure. But yeah, from what I've read on that, it's like, yeah, you know what? I think Krejci made a good point. He's like, it's kind of like a what the hell situation, right? He tried to get pasta for so long. And then now everyone's raving about how pasta on the second line and depth and how good the top six looks. And Krejci was like, yeah, man, like <laughs> I was trying to get that the whole time. We could have had this last year with me as the center, not Eric Halla. And it's like kind of a little bit of a slap to Bruce, but you know, I think we've seen a couple ex Bruins players throw some little slaps to Bruce. So I'll yep. pose you both with a question. It wasn't even on my mind today, but is Bruce Cassidy as great of a coach as we've made him out to be and as the media's made him out to be? Or is he a product of being in a really good situation? I think it's definitely a mixture because, like, whenever you have players like Marchand and Pasta and Bergeron, you have that veteran presence. Like, they definitely take a lot of pressure off. It's like how New England was with Tom Brady. Like, yep. when you have those players, like, they're the ones creating the, the dynamic, the locker room. And then you – yeah, like, guys, he's a good coach, but not all the weight is on his shoulders. Those veterans take so much, the accountability, and it's – they want to win. They know what winning's like. So, it's definitely a, a give-and-take situation. It's not – it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah, I mean, I've always been a little bit critical of Cassidy just because of how much he tries to juggle the lines. Even when we saw him drop Pasternak down on the second line and do a little shuffling, in the very first game that that happened, he got cold feet when they went down a couple goals and started shuffling his lines again immediately. Like, for me personally, 
before I go any further, I think Bruce Cassidy gets fired as the Boston Bruins coach within the next three seasons. I agree. I I agree hundred percent. Now I think this year is going to be one of those years that's going to be very telling for him, but it's not going to have anything to do with his actual performance. It's going to be how the team performs. Like right now the Boston Bruins are hot. They're looking at, you know, all these trade rumors and they're interested in everybody and anybody who's out there pretty much. And if Sweeney goes out and makes a deal and the Bruins stay on the fringe and flop in the first round of the playoffs, they could both be gone. Then, I mean, I don't see Sweeney being gone just yet. I know, but I, I could see them, you know, ax Cassidy, Maybe this offseason, if you get Tuka Rask and Bergeron not returning, but I think he's kind of on the same time frame as Bergeron. Yeah. And then once that happens, it's like a rebuild has started, like time to get rid of Butch. Yeah, I, I actually, I think people might think we're crazy, but I agree. I agree with that. I don't think Bruce Cassidy is around for more than three years unless we win a Stanley Cup. If we win a Stanley Cup, obviously, like Connor's opinion changes too. We know how that goes. He wins a Stanley Cup, he buys himself more time. God willing, he should. Maybe not. I mean, I don't. I, it's. It's. I think he would. It's Boston. We. We. we fantasize over winning. Look at Barry Trotz. <laughs> yeah, Barry Trotz chose that though. He wasn't. He True. wasn't like, oh, he wanted a new challenge. Bruce Cassidy's not going out to look for a new challenge. He's not Barry Trotz. Not doesn't have the record of Barry Trotz. I'm sorry, even though it's <laughs> you know, but still, like, I mean. I, I liked Bruce a lot for a while, and the last two years he's kind of started to sour on me in a bit. But we'll see how it goes. You know, if the Bruins win, I'll support everyone on the team. That's how I look at it. But I think it's a possibility. I think if they have a first round exit or less, his seat's warm, very warm. And Cam nearly let Claude Julian go. You know, I can't, I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. And Claude brought him a cup. The so. other thing that doesn't help Cassidy is all the coaching talent that's on the market right now more than there's ever been. Correct. So any kind of sudden moves, like if the Bruins would have come out of this uh, holiday break and lost, you know, four out of six or seven games, we could be talking about Bruce Cassidy potentially being in the hot seat of being fired mid season. Question for you. When did this, when do you pinpoint where this Bruin season started to actually turn around? when they finally started playing NHL games, the the season start of scheduling was awful for Boston. Yep. So in my eyes, I kind of gave them a pass on the beginning of the season just because they didn't play, you know, hardly any games. They were getting like three to four day breaks at some point in time. Now they have a rhythm. They're basically playing every other day. Sometimes this month, the next month they're playing three and four days it's going to be a routine and they're just going to start rolling through games and they have the depth to be healthy enough to keep it going. In my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I think that this Bruins team is starting to show that they can win games. They're surprising me. I think, I mean, Kev, we talked about it the other day, right? Aren't you kind of surprised with what you're seeing now out of this team? We, we were like thinking we needed to make a move right now. Now we're all starting to get quiet. We're like, well, we're yeah, it's night and day. It's just like, where's this been all season? Like, yeah, they had the slow start and not many games, but it's like you should have still been able to go out and score three, four, five goals a game and have the goal 10 you've been having. So it's definitely it's been interesting. It's like where's this been? Like what was what finally lit the match under their seats to get them going like this? And I almost think we have to look back to what Connor just said. They're finally getting into a rhythm. I think the thoughts of COVID are actually, luckily for them, as you know, maybe not in all of our daily lives, it's starting to slip away a bit. Because they all had it. So now they all know they don't have to get <laughs> yeah. tested for 90 freaking days. They just get to play hockey. And, like, that's great for them, right? And then it's you look at this team and it's like, how, is it overzealous for us to expect this many goals a game? Not really, because Brad Marchand, David Pasternak, Patrice Bergeron, and Taylor Hall are on our team. We should score a lot of goals. It's that simple. Like, it's not – we're not the big bad Bruins of the past. We're not this big physical team. We're, we're a fast team with top-end talent. You know what I mean? And we have Matt Grizzlick and, and uh, Charlie McAvoy on our decor. The rest of our decor, it might need some work. But they're both puck-moving top-flight defensemen who analytically are nightmares for other teams. They're nightmares. 
they create goal scoring opportunities. Our team should be high flying. We should be scoring like this. The start of the year was an anomaly for what we actually had. And the analytics showed it. The Bruins were still ranking high, even when we were losing games. Now it's, do, do we get the health back on our def, on our decor? And can Tukaras be Tukaras? Let's jump into that. Connor, we talked about it before. You can lead us off on this one. Yeah. Um, Tukarask, I mean, it's great that he comes back. For me, it's a contract thing, which, holy cow, one year, $1 million is an absolute friggin' steal in the NHL market right now. Is it 545 on the Yeah, cap? they're only paying Savoy, yeah. so. Yeah, so, I mean, if you can get some meaningful games out of Tukarask, it's fantastic. And this is going to be, you know, one of those moves that you could look back on in a a deep cup run and be like, this is one of the reasons why we've made it here. But on the other hand, you know, coming out of the surgery, taking so much time off, not really having a training camp, uh, no conditioning stint in Providence because of the COVID issues there. So if you look at it from a, what could potentially happen, if he comes in and he lays an egg, the the fans in Boston are going to be insufferable about it for oh, one. Oh God, have to quit Twitter. And for two, <laughs> the Bruins are going to be in such a pickle with their goaltending because now they have two goaltenders in Boston who are both in no move clauses. So you would have to carry three goaltenders on your active roster because none <laughs> of them could go to the taxi squad. Imagine that we, <laughs> it'd be so bad, but then again, I mean, I think Connor will say it himself. We don't think that's going to happen. No. We think Tuka is going to come out and play good. He's Tuka friggin' Rask. I, I've, went back and forth so many times on Tuca. And I think that this, this sealed the deal for me seeing this year, seeing what life was like without him. Number one, number two, seeing he was literally willing to come back for a tiny contract compared to what Tuca Rask could have got from so many teams that did it for me. That did it for life. Tuca Rask is, he has a place in my heart and I can start wearing the Tuka Rask jersey back to games again, <laughs> which is nice because when I went to games earlier in the season, I had like I had to wear my I had to wear my uh, Chucky jersey, which is I still like, but I have like one of the blacked out. Um, it's like all black and gray Rask jersey. It's so sick, but I didn't I wear it because he wasn't playing. Yeah, I know. So I'm happy I get to break that back out. <laughs> but yeah, Kev, how do you feel about Tuke's return? I'm definitely happy. Just for him, like I feel like basically the mindset, like will that hip, like will be in the back of the, like, your mind. Like, you see a lot of players, and they're coming back from, like, knee injuries and stuff, or pitches with, like, Tommy John. So, like, will the hip just, like, he's like, oh, he's going to be worried. Like, it's going to be the same. Can I still do this, do that? So, I, I think the whole mental aspect will definitely be, like, hard in the beginning. Nobody just overcomes it. I think he will. I mean, I think he's already said that the hip feels great, but I would agree with it. I think a hip to a goalie is like Tommy John surgery to a pitcher. Yeah. Their hips are, they're, they're so important, right? It's what's sending them side to side. It's all lateral movement. So we just got to hope that he feels good. And I don't think, I don't think Tuka Rask would be back if he thought he was going to hurt the Bruins. He's back because he watched how things were going. His best friends are on this team and he wants to help them take, make another run at the cup. He's proven that. Yep. And if any of you idiot Boston fans think for a second that Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand, the guys who know him didn't want him back and he's back, you know nothing about this team and you know nothing about the Bruins. They wanted him. The guys in that locker room wanted Tuka back because if they didn't, he wouldn't be there. I think it's that simple. Before we jump into some trade talk where Connor can really dive in and be our expert here, I want to talk about Brad Marchand and the way he's playing. And you look at Brad's career as a whole, and he's an absolute anomaly from what we thought he was going to be early on to what he is now. Um, from being the past from being an agitator, from a guy who we didn't know if he was going to be able to survive in the NHL due to the fact he just couldn't control himself. To now the production we've seen over these last five years and the way he's really turned his game around. I think Brad Marchand should seriously be considered for the MVP of the NHL this year. How do you guys feel about it? Kev, you can start this one. Yeah, no, definitely. If he keeps like, everyone just sees like his goals and stuff, but like, he plays an all-around game, like from defense, back-checking, everything. Like, Marchand's there. He does, like, he does a lot of things that don't show up in the stat lines. He does a lot of things that show up in the stat lines. So, definitely deserves a little consideration there. 
Yeah. I mean, I think I sent you a text the other night uh, in that Washington game that uh, Marshan should be the MVP favorite right now. Should. So he's leading the team in goals, assists, and overall points by a significant amount yeah. in all of those categories. And w- what really sealed it for me to make that comment to you is even with a broken nose after getting absolutely butchered, he still went out on that ice and performed at an elite level. Now, everybody always gives you know their MVP votes to a Sidney Crosby or a Connor McDavid, but MVP stands for most valuable player to their team. It's not the Art Ross. In my opinion, Brad Marchand is the heart and soul of this Boston Bruins team. And if you're a Boston Bruins fan who thinks otherwise, I would tell you that you need to go and seriously watch their games. Patrice Bergeron is the captain. He's not the MVP of this team. Yep. No, I agree. If you, the heart and soul of the Boston Bruins right now is, is literally Brad Marchand. It is their assistant captain, Brad Marchand. He is leading them in almost every category, including penalty minutes. <laughs> he is dominant on the power play. He is dominant on the penalty kill. And he showed against Washington in a game in freaking January that he is willing to do and put up with whatever to get back in the game and help his team win. Half the players in the NHL would have called it a day. Right there. That was a vicious high stick he took. And hockey players are tough. I'm not saying they're not. I wouldn't have been back out there on the ice. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. just like, like, I'm just probably like, he is so like, and I'm not calling myself tough. I'm not, but like he, is, <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's just, I don't we think he gets enough credit for, <laughs> he just, <laughs> um, what had it I for me is they panned over to the bench after he took that hit. And when I saw the trainer putting things into the bridge of his oh, nose, man. I was like, yeah, no, I would have been in the locker room crying, probably rolling around <laughs> crying. Like it would have been all over. No way. And he barely had like tears in his eyes. He got back out five minutes later and had a and goal. And a goal. Assist. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> like that's where it's just like Brad Marshawn is to me, the best player in the NHL right now. And I don't, I wouldn't take anyone over him. I get it. I know. He's tied for, McDavid. for I know. goals with McDavid. I know. They both have 19 goals. And what, what is, um, who's leading the goals? Dry settle. What's he have? 26? 26. Yep. Yeah. So Marshawn's on this pace right with there. the next two games, Marshawn will be tied. Yeah. If you look at points per game, Marshawn's eighth in the whole NHL. He is 1.39. It's pretty good. Yep. <laughs> and again, this is not the Art Ross. We're talking about the heart. Yep. He, and guess what? He is the heart. I know it's not spell heart, but he is the heart and soul of the Boston Bruins. And I think that his MVP candidacy gets hurt a little bit by the NHL players not going to the Olympics. I know how that sounds, but it's the truth because you would have got to see him on the world stage lead team Canada. I think, I think he is the essence of a leader I think he would have been one of the best players on Team Canada. I think he would have been playing in every big moment. And I think he would have drove that team to probably a gold medal. So I think that does help when you always play on a line with Sidney Crosby and Patrice Bergeron. Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, that's nice, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Could have worse line mates, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I know. I like really like he's on that line. He can just play offense. (laughs) It's ridiculous. But you know, let's get into let's get into some trade talk, Connor. What are you hearing? Let's you're a guy who kind of has his, his ear to the cement, ear to the ice, ear to the field. We're talking about trades. Tell us what you're hearing. So a lot is going on in the world of the Boston Bruins. As far as the trade market goes, they are virtually in on every trade right now. Um, one of the the s- smaller insignificant moves that I've been hearing they've been in on um, Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman have commented on it recently is Lawson Krause um, out of Arizona. Not, I guess the, the person that I would look for, I know we talked about this a little this morning. Um, Krause is a pending RFA who's only signed for one and a half million uh, against the cap this year. So around deadline time, that looks about 700 to 600,000. Pretty insignificant cap hit, probably somebody you can obtain for about a pick, you know, maybe a second or a third round pick. Nothing crazy in my opinion, but where the Bruins are really needing from my point of view 
is up the middle. You need a second line center. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I think you need a number one or a number two left shot D. And there are plenty of options out there. So I'll start with a little bit up front. Um, there's been names like Tomas Hurdle uh, being mentioned pretty much all season. Uh, the recent ones are JT Miller and Claude Giroux. Um, I know that you told me you were a fan of the uh, the Tomas Hurdle option. Yeah, yeah I think it's going to um, be costly. I don't... Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're looking for something just shy of a Jack Eichel but he's a rental. Yeah, so that, in my opinion, that's absurd to yeah, me. That just can't happen. That's, that's the thing. I, everything that I say, right. I'm not as tuned into the trade market. So I'm not, I don't want any crazy Jack Eichel returns for anyone, but Jack Eichel. So let's just make that clear. Yeah. So like, for example, if you're looking at a Tomas hurdle, something that they would be looking for that the Bruins would potentially be able to stomach giving up is somebody like a Jake Debrusque, a, Jack Studnika or an Urho Vakanainen and then throw in a second round pick with that for a rental. That's where it's like, if he's telling you or you know you can resign him, I would do that, right? He has 20 goals already, 11 assists. He's, he is your bona fide number two center who could grow into your number one in life after Bergeron. But if you can't resign him, I have no interest in that. But it's, yeah. it's just, I mean, DeBrusque Vak in a second, I. I think I do it. You know what I mean? So that's where it's kind of the double-edged sword, but you can keep going. Yeah. So I'll skip over to another pending UFA before we get to a player with term, but this is the one that intrigues me the most and it's Claude Giroux. He is a pending UFA. He's on an 8.275 contract currently this season. So around the deadline should be around 4 million, just a little shy you know that he's not going to resign here and it's a pure rental. The curiosity that I have around this is he's fully in control of what's going on. He has a full no move clause, but it's out there already with some people that I've talked to in the know that he's already had conversations with Philadelphia about a potential move. If they fall out of the race, and then going back to them again in the off season, which is kind of unheard of, but you see it every now and again. I think Claude Giroux is like my favorite choice for what the Bruins need. He's the closest to a David Krejci impact wise that I think you can get for a playoff run. And he's got playoff experience and a lot of it. Yeah. So I don't, I don't disagree with any of that. I, I, I just like it depends on what the cost is, right? It just that's the biggest thing because if he he is kind of a pure rental, I mean, I think he might love Boston. There's a chance they could resign him, but I don't think they'll have the dollars to do it. You know what I mean? So that's the problem because you know you went out and you signed Nick Foligno to a decent sized deal. You overpaid you overpaid Charlie Coyle. Those things do start to catch up with you, even if you let a guy like Crew you know go and you let these bigger contract opportunities go. When you when you spend four or five million dollars, um pieces that aren't quite worth it it hurts you in these type of situations where you want to have that money to play with where you think maybe we get a guy and then we're going to bank on he loves playing with this team and he's going to resign because i just don't think i mean Claude Giroux is still going to get a minimum of five million in this next contract right no doubt so it's like how are you it's just not going to work that way but yeah i, I mean i think Claude would come in he would he would make an impact without a doubt and i think that he's one of those guys that you could look to like a you know it's hard because he doesn't have the the winning that um, Recky did, but he's a guy that's older in his career that wants a cup and wants to play hard and will fit in with this team. And you know, he'll be good for the locker room. A guy like that could be what pushes them over to winning a Stanley cup. I always reference back to that 2011 team. when I think about like what you need to win a Stanley cup. Right. Mm -hmm. And like the Bruins have, they, they still have the Marshawn and Bergeron, so that's one of the things I think they'd need, but they still got it. They have a bona fide number one top 10 defenseman in McAvoy, like they did in Chara. Different, but still a bona fide number one. What they don't have is a Mark Recchi. They don't have a Michael Ryder. They might have a Daniel Paye in Nosek. You know what I mean? 
Kind of, but the impacts Maybe. they made down the stretch, they're Rich Peverly. Who is it? You know, it's like who is it? Could it be Coyle? It, it could. Coyle plays well in big games and he pushes things forward. Um, so you just, but you know, then we have a guy like Pasta who's different than any dynamic we had on that team. Then, so you look at it and it's just, what do you need? What pieces do you need to go towards a cup? I think Claude Giroux, in a way, fills multiple roles. He really does. Um, you can keep I, going. I, mean, I, I also think that, you know, on your Mark Recchi comment, I don't think that that style of player with, you know, a lot of experience and kind of being the, the sage in the locker room, there's absolutely no need for that now because Bergeron and Marchand aren't young guys like Correct. they were back in the day. You know, they are the Mark Recchi of this Correct. team, I guess you could say. Correct. And they also still fill the role that they filled. That's what's kind of like. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I guess the Bruins are more looking for a role player, which kind of leads me into the next and one of the better options, in my opinion, for the Bruins and their window. And that's JT Miller of the Vancouver Canucks. He was rumored earlier in the season while the Canucks were really, really struggling. Um, I haven't heard anything of him being back on the market. But if the Canucks start to slip again, 100%, they're, they're going to be looking to move on. They're either looking to move on from JT Miller or Bo Horvat, surprisingly enough. Um, Miller has a $5.25 million contract, like very similar to Charlie Coyle. Just and he's signed through next season. And yes, he is a lot better than Charlie Coyle. The interesting thing for me on that is how much is that going to cost you as the Bruins to get a year and a half of a bona fide number two center? I would guess because of the situation that the Vancouver Canucks are in, this is pure speculation here. Nothing that I'm being, you know, given information on that they would be looking for a roster player and a high end prospect in return. Like, an actual significant roster player. So somebody of the likes of a Jake DeBrusque or a Brandon Carlo and a high-end prospect like Studnika, Vakanainen, Beecher, somewhere along that line. And for me, if it's going to be somebody from the back end like Matt Grizzlick or Brandon Carlo, I think you've got to be a hard pass because yeah, you, you still can't. need defensemen anyway. You can't be subtracting from where you need. You just can't. I agree. Kev, you've been quiet for a little bit. I know the NHL trade rumors, and that's this is more, you know, you're more of a football. Oh, this is you guys. I'm just chilling. Who out of the three people that Connor's given us so far, who would you most prefer and why as your second line center? See, I might I like her. I've been like following San, San Jose a little this year and especially like to been betting on them here and there. But Hurdle's the one like he's showing up. Like he said he has twenty goals, eleven assists, and just if we if we can get the commitment for the long term, that's gonna definitely be the biggest thing is you don't want to give up all that, just have like, a one year rental. But that's something I would like to see come here if we can get him long term. Good, good. I agree. I mean, that's what I, I agree to. That's the guy that I kind of have dotted that I would like. But again, it's all contingent on if you think you could re-sign him. Let's get into some defensemen, Connor. Who are you hearing on the defensive side of the puck? Oh, boy. Uh, this is going to be the fun one, I think. I mean, everybody has been hearing and seeing the name Jacob Chikrin. Uh, I think that is obviously the no-brainer option if you're Don Sweeney in the Boston Bruins. He's a young, mobile defenseman who can play both sides of the puck. Um, he's signed through the 24-25 season at $4.6 million. So, you know, that's an absolute friggin' steal with the way the NHL salary cap is going. But this is the one where they want an Eichel-like package. And, you know, I don't blame them. You know, you're getting a top-pairing defenseman on a really cheap contract for, you know, three more seasons past this one. But to be able to stomach trading a DeBrusque first-round pick, uh, Studnika or Vakanainen, and then an additional maybe second-round pick or prospect, that's a lot. You have to be damn sure if you're Don Sweeney 
that you're going to make a push within the next two seasons. But also playing devil devil's advocate here, you do have him signed three extra seasons past this. So he could be part of your next core, I guess you could say, moving forward. And having a core of defensemen of McAvoy and Chikrin and then Grizzlick and Carlo. It's different. Not too bad. It's different than what you have. I I know. When you put it that way and you look at the term, it is there is value there. It's like it's just the Bruins, it depends on if they want to just go all for it and forget about the future or if we want to still be a a team post Bergeron and Marshawn, you know? Yeah. That's what it comes down to. And we don't know. We don't know what they're gonna do. We don't that's the tricky thing with Chikrin right now. Like in, in my opinion, from the people that I've talked to throughout this week, the two hottest commodities on the trade market right now is Jacob Chikrin and Jake DeBrusque. Now, a lot of people are going to be like, Oh my God, what do you mean? Jake DeBrusque is one of the hot commodities. He's a young player that's talented and has a high ceiling, both of these players. So it's not just cup contenders who are looking at trading for these players. You have teams like the Anaheim Ducks, the LA Kings, you know, these up and coming teams who look at this player and say, we have a ton of prospects and we have a lot of picks that we really don't need anymore because of our prospect pool. And they can move them and get a centerpiece to their future core. Yeah. And where, and by no means does Connor mean that the value of Jake DeBrusque is the same with Chikrin. No. It's just the people who are interested. There's a lot of teams interested in DeBrusque. Why wouldn't they be? His value is low because the trade request is public. Correct. You know? But yeah. then again, the NHL GMs knew about the trade request before the public did. So don't think that, you know, it's, I mean, it, it's been out there for a little while. It's just very public now. So, yeah. And then, I'll just kind of quick hit you some three names here and we can kind of talk about them individually uh, as we go. But the other three options that I'm, I'm hearing linked to Boston is one of Boston's favorites, Keith Yandel, who I personally thought they should sign this off season. Um, and they kind of swung and missed on that. Um, and then the names of Ben Sherratt from Montreal and Mark Giordano from Seattle the other couple names that I've heard tied back to Boston? All three of them interest me, to be honest. I think all three of them could fill a role. Um, I have always been a big Keith Yandel guy. I don't know if it's just from – I like his play style. I think he's hilarious. I love listening to him on Chicklets. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I listen to Ring Shrinks, which is his brother's podcast. So I'm, I, I'm just a big Keith Yandel guy. But I – I also think that he could bring something to the Bruins that's good. Like, you know what I mean? So I don't I don't think Yandel's a bad defenseman like the Raptors. And he's cheap. Because he's not. He's, and he's cheap. He's 750K, right? 800K? 900,000 this year. Yeah, yeah. He's making, yep. He doesn't even make a million dollars. So that's a good player. Ben Sherratt's a good, heavy defenseman who can play a strong game, right? And yep. then Mike Giordano is, is Giordano. Mark, she said Mike. Mark Giordano is Giordano. He's been in the league for a long time. He has a nice bald, bald dome. He's good <laughs> hockey. Norris trophy yeah, winner. it's won a Norris. Added, he's the one of the older players to win a Norris too, right? Mm-hmm. When did he win yep. a Norris? Thirty-eight years old. Uh, years old? Yeah, I think it was two or three seasons ago. Yeah, if I'm not so, mistaken. I mean, he's a guy that I think could come in and help and bring some, you know, a veteran presence on that back end, which we don't really have. So I don't, you know, I don't mind any of them. I think they're all lower cost too. Yeah, um, I, I none think, of them wow you. I think you know Giordano I mean? and Yandel will be a lower cost. Yeah. I think Giordano kind of could get into the mid range. If you're looking to have Seattle kind of retain some salary cap there. Um, Cause he's close to 7 million on the cap this season. The one that I hear him link to, and I cringe is Ben Sherratt because he plays in Montreal, which is one of their most hated rivals and in their division. And they're already asking for a first round pick from other teams. So you have to think that drives up the price even more when, you know, the Boston Bruins come knocking. I don't think that's going to pan out, but you never know if Montreal goes, you know, complete fire sale mode. A lot of value in players there are going to go down just because they're complete rebuild. Yeah. Jacob Chikrin, in my opinion, is the way to go if you're the Boston Bruins, because even if it can't, 
completely put you over the top to win a Stanley Cup, you're going to be way more competitive in the playoffs with him, and you can grow with him moving forward. Yeah, no, you definitely, you definitely can. I think he would fit in well. It's just the price. The price is what scares me, but the price is always what scares me in all these situations. But I think that kind of that kind of wraps up our our trade talk. Obviously, everything's speculative, and we'll we'll figure out what happens. Um, I think Connor and I have discussed this a little bit. When we do get close to the trade deadline, I think we're definitely going to try to do something really cool with our um, our partner and who we're presented by Inside the Rink. We're both, you know, all three of us, Connor, Kevin, and I are all part of the Inside the Rink team. And I think when deadline day comes, we're going to try to do some sort of like live live deadline day stream or post on the site where we're constantly giving you guys trade updates. We want to make Inside the Rink one of the homes for deadline day. So definitely stay tuned for that. And that brings me into the point of who we're sponsored by. One of our new show sponsors is bet.us. And here's a quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BetUS.com. That's B-E-T-U-S.com with promo code RINK. That's R-I-N-K for 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. Remember, guys, every single time you sign up for BetUS using that code RINK, it helps us keep the lights on, it helps us keep the website going, and it helps us bring you this beautiful podcast that we bring to you. So continue to support us, and we appreciate it. Connor, how about Better's Row? Want to talk a little Better's Row before we jump into the football? Yeah, let's go. Do you want to talk about uh, tonight's uh, pieces yeah. here? Are we going to yeah. have this pot out for tonight? Yeah, it should be out. It's probably not going to be out before 7, but we can still talk about it. I don't have a problem with it. Or maybe just what Better's Row is. So Better's Row is kind of uh, one of the new flagships of Inside the Rink's website. Um, once we brought on our you know, kind of flagship sponsor, I guess you could say at this point, BetUS, we decided to put a, put together a little something something where Jacob and I and our our good friend Ray over there at Inside the Rink. Shout out Raymond. Yeah, Ray's a great guy. Not a lot of people know him. He doesn't really have his own personal Twitter account or anything like that. He just you know will do some things here and there on the the ITR account. But he's a great dude, and he's got some great gambling advice. I absolutely love Ray, but I have to say, Ray, I'm burying you right now in the standings. Same with you, Jacob. <laughs> oh, you know, I'm four and five. It's but, been tough. Uh, for all those that don't know, if you go to our page and check out our betters row, we have all of the odds nightly for the NHL schedule, and we have our own personalized picks. So definitely check out our picks. We have our records right underneath it so you can see who's doing great, who you should follow picks, me, who you should fade. Me. <laughs> me. I'm four and five. Connor's two and six. So, I mean, that tells you. I'm six the only one who's six actually good. Oh, on. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, well, that was bad. Six Jeez. and two. I'm right, the only one. Much. I know I'm the only one who's actually got a Bennett every night. So just remember that, but still I, I got, I got uh, COVID a little shook up there because of a COVID postponement. So I had to take the shelf one night, but yeah. If you're interested in hockey gambling, get on inside the rink.com, go to the tabs, get on betters row. We're going to have content for you every single day. What you're seeing now is already super cool, but it's the bare bones. It's going to grow from there. And that's just kind of the truth behind it. But I really think that wraps up our hockey talk for today. And now we'll get to Kevy's section. Let's talk some NFL. We're rolling into the playoffs now. Everything's going. My team, the Cowboys, are in it. Connor's team, the Green Bay Packers, are in. And obviously what most of our fans care about is Kevin's team, the New England Patriots. So let's talk some football. Week 18 was full of surprises. Pats didn't look that sharp against the Dolphins. What do we expect going forward for the Patriots, Kev? Yeah, no, I'm definitely, definitely – I'm excited, but not excited. Like coming up with third matchup with the Bills back in Buffalo, even though the weather's supposed to be like it, like it was last time. But I think Buffalo just had us figured out. Like even the injury, like I'm not sure how Kyle, Kyle Duggar's hand's gonna be. So not having him at safety is definitely a huge loss. And even Dante Hightower, he didn't play Week 18, so we don't have those guys. Definitely makes it tougher. Just because. Between 
playing up in the box and covering those two were just so important in the second and third level for the Patriots. And then Mac Jones, like, what is Mac Jones going to be like? That's going to be the biggest question. Is like, the pressure is going to be on him. Like, all the pressure. It's his first playoff game. It's going to be in cold weather. We saw what he did last time in cold weather. They threw the ball three times. So, definitely interesting. One thing I did like to see was Mac Jones said today was, there's more pressure. That's what that's what makes it fun. So, he has the attitude going in, just his dedication to get better. Like Josh McDaniels talked about all the time. You give this guy five, six things to work on, he's going to work on all five, six things. He's going to take the time they, they give him to practice, and he's going to try to be the best Mac Jones he can be. So definitely, once again, be a team effort that defense can hold Buffalo. That would be important. But same with the run game. If Damian Harris is also healthy, that hamstring has been bothering him in the last couple of weeks. You know, they do have Ramondi Stevenson and Brandon Bolden, but having Harris there, he's a touchdown machine. So definitely having him healthy is going to be very important to this matchup. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I think that if I was you, I would not be happy with who we're playing, right? Like, it's it's a tough matchup. It really is for you. Having to play the Bills again, the Bills were my early season Super Bowl favorite. So I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't look at that and be like, this is a great matchup for the Pats because I really don't think it is. I think it's a bad matchup for the Patriots. Do I think they can win? Yeah, because Bill Belichick's their coach. So, yeah, I, I mean, that's kind of where I like – that's where I fall yeah, on that's, that. that's my biggest thing with like Bill Belichick. It's like you played him once. All right, Bill Belichick made all the adjustments going into the game, halftime throughout it. They play the second game. That's when the Bills made their adjustments. They knew what they needed to do coming in, and they can actually get the they can actually throw the ball. Like that's Josh Allen's strength. And do it as a cannon. Like he can whip that ball anywhere on the field that he wants to. He showed you in the first game throwing against the wind. So definitely, it's tough. Even though Buffalo really doesn't have a run game, but so you're gonna have Allen dropping 30, 40, 50 times in the game, which. I don't know that coverage sometimes. It's, it's definitely going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is. I think that's kind of – like, I mean, I look at the – I'm happy with the Cowboys matchup. I really am. Like, I'm a big fan of the Cowboys matchup. I think that it benefits us playing against – I was scared to play Arizona or the uh, Rams. I was really happy to get the Niners. I think the Cowboys are going to come out and they're going to smack the Niners. I really do. I wouldn't I think sleep we're gonna on the Niners, up. man. Ah, we're going to light them up. That's some history going back to the we're 60s gonna light right them up. there. We're going to light them up. I think we're going to absolutely light them up. Parsons is going to be all over them. All over them. You don't agree, Connor? What's the smile? You don't <laughs> agree? I don't know. I think that's the only game uh, on the schedule this weekend that uh, I threw my my little red challenge flag for an upset <laughs> alert. Ah, I just I don't think so. No, I really don't. Do you guys want you guys want to go through every matchup, pick our winners? Yeah, first time I bring up how the Colts blew it. I know. I know. That's just awful. I had them shoot in. The only ones who blew it. The real losers this weekend is the Chargers. Yeah, I know. They should have beat the Raiders, too. I know. I know. The Raiders were going to let it go to a tie. I know. And they called the timeout. I know. I know. Terrible. Like, it's just like, dude, how, like, do you ever think about that? Like, how is coaching in the NFL so bad? Like, how do they make so many, like, just bonehead decisions? It's like, how does this happen? Like, all the time you see it. Like, yeah, a couple times a year, a coach does something that makes them lose the game. But Well, that's why seven coaches just got fired. I know. We're, yeah, we're going to touch on that next. But I'll bring us game by game. We're going to pick our winners. Um, I'll go last on each one. So we'll start. We'll go Kev goes first, Connor second, me last. So we're going to start off Raiders against the Bengals on Saturday at 430. Who do you have, Kev? I'm going Bengals all the way. Like Joe Burrow, he cemented himself as at least like that top ten like quarterback in the NFL this year. And Jamar Chase, I just don't think anyone in the Raiders secondary, especially their corners, are all rookie corners. I know Jamar Chase is a rookie, but Jamar Chase is one of the best receivers already in the league. So I think Jamar Chase is going to have a big day for them. And Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon's back to being Joe Mixon. He had a bad year last year with all the injuries. But he's been running the ball, physical style. He's always done since Oklahoma days. So I'm definitely taking the Bengals. Connor, I'm hammering the Bengals. That was my pick too. I'm I'm with you guys. I I bet you will probably agree on a lot of these. I think Joe Burrow will light him up. I think it's going to be an easy win for the Bengals. 
And I do just want to take a minute to look at like Joe Burrow's year in the turnaround that the Bengals had. And it shows how much a real number one quarterback can turn around a franchise. He really did. I mean, it was, he turned them completely around. So then we'll jump into the next one. I mean, Kev, give your pick for Patriots bills. I mean, I'm going Patriots, man. I can't, can't bet against them. They're my boys. So I'm have a little faith. Connor. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Patriots in this one. I yes. think uh, Bill Belichick and the coaching staff's experience in New England is going to play a bigger role than Josh Allen for Buffalo. And I also think that Buffalo has shown this year that they've got weaknesses and they can be exploited. And the one thing you don't, well, the two things that you don't want to run into in the NFL playoffs is one, Bill Belichick. Yeah. Or two, Tom Brady. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just do your fair. job. Yeah, it's do pretty your fair. Job. I'm actually going to go opposite you guys. And I teetered back and forth at the start of the week. I was on the paths. I'm going Bills. Um, Why does Josh Allen your keeper? So, number one, Josh Allen was my fantasy quarterback for the last two years. He's also my keeper this year, and he's rolling with me into next season. Number two, it's on offensive firepower. And I think that. Josh Allen is going to lead the way, and I think he's going to overpower the Patriots, and I think they're going to win. I think it's going to be really close if the Bills lose, and it's a coaching masterpiece, and Mac Jones has a career day. I won't be surprised. That's how close it was for me. It really was back and forth on that. But I'm going Bills. I think. I mean, I think you guys can both attest. We were all pretty close, probably in this matchup. I think the coin could flip either way. But I'm definitely yeah, just, on the Bills. As long here. as Max Jones has one or two touchdowns and doesn't turn the yeah. ball over, that's all it's going to take. Agreed. Agreed. Turnovers. It just I, I think down two TDs and no turnovers. Yeah, but I just I don't know. We'll see how it goes. And I mean, Josh Allen's not someone who he'll he'll turn the ball over. So oh, he loves to. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll really see how it goes. Next, we're going to go into this is an easy one. I'm going to write. I'm, I'm writing. I'm keeping track of all of our picks so that we can chirp each other. But <laughs> Buccaneers against Eagles. I'm going to write Bucks across the board. Is that good for everybody? Yes, good. please. Big Tom okay. Brady guy. I don't Big think Tom we've Brady talked guy. about that one because Tom Brady plays on the Buccaneers and Jalen Hurts plays on the um the Eagles. So I don't really think we have to do that, do we? Nope. No. Okay. Okay, good. Okay. So that's gonna be Bucks, Bucks, Bucks. Next we get into the Niners and the Cowboys. Kevin, you can start. Don't I'm gonna take a San Fran upset, uh, please. Okay. Why? I just think the way San Fran's built, like you know, Jimmy G's not the greatest quarterback, but that drive that he had to tie that game up last week was good. Was phenomenal. It's just if he can play in like I know he turned the ball, yeah, they had two interceptions. But Debo Samuel is just he's a matchup nightmare. And Elijah Mitchell healthy, like he's a great running back. So and then you have Trent Williams as your left tackle, which will definitely help in stopping Michael Parsons and Marcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory. So I think that's definitely gonna come down to a big part of it. He's going to stop all three of them on his own. Yeah, dude, he's a tank. But, um, <laughs> all right. What do you oh, want to put on? You want to you make a bet right now between you and I? You want to? We can. 100 bucks. 100 bucks? Sure, why not? It's just money. Deal. $100. I'm, <laughs> right. I'm with the Cowboys. You with the Niners. Deal. Uh, shake on it. Virtual shake, yes. Oh, that's it. We'll let you guys know I next week. It. Yep. Connor witnessed it. All right, Connor, who's your pick? Um, I'm, I'm going to take the Niners. Um, oh, I, I, I think the Niners were getting healthier at a key point in the season and down the stretch kind of started to put some things together in my opinion. And also, I don't know if this is a kid friendly show or not, but fuck the Cowboys. All right. Yeah. This guy's a green Bay fan. The Packers have straight ruined my football watching life, but yeah, I'm going to just heavily lean on the Cowboys here. I think it's going to be an easy win. I think the Cowboys win by at least 14 points. I think they win handily, and I'm going to win $100 from Kevin. So that was easy. Obviously, I'm a Cowboys fan. I watch every single game. I've been a Cowboys fan my whole life. Uh, I'm picking the Cowboys here. I think that Dak lights them up. I think Zeke has his best game of the year. I think Tony Pollard couple, has a couple uh, nice catches. Fumbles. No fumbles. No fumble rooskies. We're going we're gonna, to maybe Dak throws one pick. We're gonna be okay. Is Pollard gonna be healthy enough to play? I don't know. Actually, was he's you are right. He's questionable, right? Yeah, it's that foot injury. It's tough. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Either way, Zeke's gonna light him up. I don't even care. Zeke's gonna light him up. Yeah, Zeke. Both of his nose rings. 
Yep. CD Lamb, I'm ready for a big win out of the Cowboys. I'm very confident that was the easiest $100 ever. This is going to be another very, very easy one. But um, we're going to go with the Chiefs and the Steelers. Steelers. Really? You're going Steelers? You're going Steelers, man. Okay. I like it. I was going to I'm not saying they're going to win, but I'm just going to pick them because I want them to win. And TJ Watt's a beast. The dude is a beast. If he can disrupt and get to Mac, um, to freaking Mahomes. Yeah, it's like, no. No, I don't want TJ Watt going near Mac Jones. TJ Watt's a scary dude. But no, if he can disrupt Mahomes and get him out of the rhythm, I think it's definitely going to be a big, a big deal. Especially with Casey Hayward. Too. Not Casey Hayward, but yeah, that other guy Hayward. I forget his first name right now. Yeah, that D-line's good to disrupt Mahomes. Ben Roethlisberger, mm, sucks, <laughs> but Maybe Najee, Najee Harris, do a good job, 180 yards, no problem. So, Steelers. I'm right with you on the Steelers. Oh, me too. This is great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, for me, it came down to the Chiefs and Mahomes looked very suspect this year. You know, they, they looked way more human than they have any other year. And they didn't really patch that together to, you know, make them look like a favorite to come out of the East by any means or the AFC, excuse me. We're not talking hockey, Uh, (laughs) but I also think it boils down to this last game with big Ben. He looked like a completely different player when he thought it was going to be his last game. And I think that will carry over and it'll just be the stars align where they beat the chiefs. And that'll be his last victory, and they'll get imagine that. Too. Imagine that. That be. I'm with you guys. I think the story is great, and there has to be one huge upset. And this is really the. This is a huge upset if it happens. I'm with it. Stillers. I'm going the Stillers all the way. As a, as a 2012 Joe Flacco postseason. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Stillers. Go Stillers. This last one's a toss up. So the last game we have is Cardinals against the Rams. Kev, who do you have? I'm going Rams. It's about okay. time Matthew Stafford when he goes to the playoffs, but he's going to show what he can do like all these years in Detroit where he's been hampered by a, sh- a shitty team. He finally has the playmakers as a full team around him. If you look at the two best receiving seasons ever by Ma- Matthew Stafford was the quarterback, Calvin Johnson and Cooper Cup with Matthew Stafford throwing to him. So I definitely think they're just clicking like Odell Beckham Dude, actually, like doing something for once. So, I think that team all around, and then you bring in Von Miller, who's won a Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl MVP, been there, so he has that playoff experience. So, I think definitely, definitely riding the Rams, especially after last week losing to San Fran, they're definitely gonna want a little revenge and get on a get on a roll going into the playoffs. Now, just just to clarify, because I've been so deep into the hockey stuff. Are the Cardinals even going to be fully healthy for this game this weekend? I would just wonder the same. I thing. don't think DeAndre Hopkins is. Bad yeah, yet. I just wonder okay. the same. Rams thing. all the way then. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm going Rams. And I mean, as far as OBJ, when back in the day on the Giants, he was a pretty impactful player. But I mean, when you have <laughs> Baker Mayfield throwing balls to you, of course you're not going to be as successful as oh, it's awful. you know, Matty Stafford. Uh, I think that. The Rams are one of the three teams that I could see winning the Super Bowl. So heavy on the Rams this weekend. Yeah, the Rams have all the pieces to win a Super Bowl. They have a good quarterback. They have great receivers. They have an okay run game, but and they have a great defense. So really, quarterback, one side of the ball offensively, and a good defense. I really think the Rams could win. I have the Rams too this week. Yeah, when you have Aaron Donald, Von Miller, yeah. Jalen Ramsey, and, and Ramsey. they just signed Eric Weddle out of retirement. Yeah, I think, to come play safety. So. I think they could. They can really make some noise. Answer your question about Pollard. Pollard's ready to roll. He's going to be playing. Oh, so that does have right. another that has another element to the Cowboys. If you guys want to change your pick, no, I'm still the best locked in. Still way to win hundred dollars from you. Yeah. All right. Perfect. All right. That kind of wraps up the playoff talk. Uh, we'll go to you know what happened on what was it? It was Black Monday the other day is what they called it, right? Was that what it was? Black Monday. Yeah, Black the Monday. My favorite day of the year, actually. There are coaches all these, all dropping these like flies. Get kicked out of here. Bunch of clowns dropping like flies. What what head coach firing surprised you the most, Kev? Um, the I Brian agree. Flores one. I just don't I don't understand why. You have a guy he just beat New England twice this season. 
um, last two years has a winning record. Like his first year there, they were like five and eleven, which is to be expected. Like you're not, you're not the greatest team. So, yeah, no, I I agree completely. Like, right? I look at it. I just I don't get why Flores was fired. I think he was finally turning that organization around. And I, was it you who said it to me, Connor, that he had a disagreement with management? Yes. Uh, yeah. So. I don't have any sources in the NFL like I do in the NHL by any means necessary, but everything that I've been reading and seeing was that he just didn't get along with the general manager and some of the other uh, front office staff there. And there was a lot of decisions that nobody could agree on. And it was kind of the writing on the wall that he was going to be let go because they wanted to take a different direction. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it seems like that has to be so much the reality because why is he not still there? Like it's, it's crazy to me. Like he, he was turning that organization around. He's building a young team. They were playing better. They were starting to look like a cohesive unit. They almost made the playoffs. Yeah. And then it's just like, the year, like two of was injured majority of the year. You finally just got a receiver and Jalen Waddle. Like that defense is really no one special on the defense and they still found ways to win. So, it was definitely interesting. And then the big thing is the owners, which is Stephen Ross, like the big link was Jim Harborough leaving Michigan. But oh, Stephen Ross that. is a Michigan guy. He went to Michigan. He's like, I'm not going to be the guy that steals him away from Michigan. So that's out of the question. He's one of Michigan's biggest donors. There's like plaques on the walls everywhere. Wow. The whole nine yards. But I mean, everyone don't want to get rid of your. To be the guy that got rid of the best coach they ever had. So. From from my understanding, Flores was one of the the main people who was banging the drum to bring Deshaun Watson, and one of the main reasons Deshaun Watson wanted to play in Miami. I think he had to be. And I mean, I'm going to use a reference for some of you Boston Bruins fans. It would be like Bruce Cassidy saying. You know, oh my God, I want to have Matthew Barzell play on my team. We should trade for Matthew Barzell and get rid of David Pasternak. Both good star players, but why aren't you, you know, fluffing the feathers of your own player instead of being like, eh, I would rather have that guy. Especially when one of the guys has a rap sheet longer than the Declaration of Independence. You know what I mean? But oh, okay, so, so we can use Pasternak or Evander Kane then. Yeah, yeah, there we go. There you go. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we didn't even get into Kane. That's crazy. But um, I guess you know we just look at the you look at that situation and yeah, I don't know. It just it's weird. I I think that he will get a job very soon somewhere, very very soon. Denver. Yeah, that's Denver. my side. So Denver, like that yes, makes so much sense. Like, yeah, Denver. Yeah, I, Denver. Draft a Sean Watson oh. to go to Denver. So or Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers doesn't go there. Yeah, so Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> uh, so Rodgers doesn't go there. So oh, man, I know. My my favorite firing though was Mad Nagy. I'm so <laughs> glad Chicago. He's so bad. The worst coach ever. Literally. No, the worst, the worst coach. coach ever was Joe Judge. Yeah. On a yeah third and nine on your own four. Had them run a quarterback sneak. Yeah. Daring them to you fire look, him. Like, like I really come like. On. You think about like the three of the worst quarter, the worst coaches in the last like five or ten years. We've got to see them: Joe Judge, Matt Nagy, and Adam Gase. Like those guys are tough, and it's like they'll just the, the NFL loves mediocrity and they love just the old boys club. They'll just keep hiring these guys back. It's like yeah, yeah they'll, they'll be a running Jordan. back coach. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then before you know it, they're running teams again. It's just wild. It's like the NFL. Some teams love mediocrity. They really do. As bad as Nagy was. The coach, in my opinion, wasn't the real issue there. It was their general manager who's yeah, Brian Pace is terrible. Yeah, Pace is gone too. Yeah. Like if if you would have taken Matt Nagy and gave him a completely different deck of cards, i.e., picking Patrick Mahomes instead of Mitch Trubisky, probably cool. having a different scenario. Correct. Correct. You're right. You put Mahomes there and where if Mahomes has Allen Robinson. And he has that defense. He has that situation. Things are completely different. You are the right. only thing that he did well was the Khalil Mack trade. That was the only victory that brought them any kind of success. 
Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's like everything. Just you really like have to look deep at that Chicago team and the history there with the Bears. The Bears are not a team that's supposed to suck. So they need no. to get that together, and they need to get it together fast. That's a big market for all their sports, and you want to be winning if you're the Chicago Bears, obviously. Yeah, so. I mean, I know we'll one fields. of the uh, the minority owners of the Bears, uh, Aaron Rodgers, hopes that uh, their slide continues. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man. How is it being a Green Bay fan? Is it fun? Um, I mean, I always tell my wife that the real number 12 is in uh, Tampa Bay, but it's true. It it can't be too shabby. I I grew up in in Connecticut, New England, so I I grew up with Tom Brady, and then I move out here and I get Aaron Rodgers. It's like Perfect. Blast, kind you of blast a little bit, right? One, one to the yeah. other, so perfect. <laughs> yeah, none of it's too bad. But I mean, I think that kind of wraps things up for us for this week. I mean, do you want to give some playoff bets? We gave our picks, so it's kind of like those are our bets. You know what I mean? We'll tweet out. We'll tweet out some playoff bets from our account. You guys can give us all a follow at um, cue the duck boats with a Z on Twitter. You can give our special guest Connor Green a follow at Connor Green. And you can give inside the rink a follow at inside underscore the underscore rink. And make sure you're going to Inside the Rink Daily for all your hockey news. We have multiple articles popping up every single day, some written by Connor himself, most edited by Connor himself. So we're really moving things forward over there, and we love the direction things are going, and it's it's all due to the support that we're getting. So thank you guys to everyone who's supporting us. We see our listens going up every week, and we're excited that you guys are along for the ride and you're jumping on the duck boats. So thanks for the support. Guys, you have anything to say? No, just Connor, thank you again for coming. Like, we really appreciate this. We hope to have more guests on and have you back as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's been my pleasure. You guys uh, have a really great podcast here, and it's always my pleasure to come help support you guys any way I can. And uh, for those of you listening, you know, quickly when this gets out, I am going to have an in-depth article for you guys on all of the trade options for the NHL Bruins that we have talked about today. And that is going to drop Friday the 14th at probably around 6 or 7 Eastern time in the morning. Perfect. And before we go, I do want to give us one bet of the week brought to you by bet.us. That is going to be the Rangers on the money line versus the Flyers on Saturday the 15th at 7. I think that's a big game. Rangers Flyers is always good. And I think the Rangers come out and they beat them. You guys, like you know what? Pick? I got one more thing for you. Oh, one more. For all of you people listening, you better go to insidetherink.com and go to the shop and check out the Duck Boats Pod merch. That shit is flying off the shelf. So you want to make sure that you get it before it runs out. We've actually had enough orders that some colors have been selling out temporarily. So, oh, let's go. let's go. They're pretty fresh, and there's a lot of colors. It's nice. I know. It all passes well. Buy the merch, buy the merch, guys. Thank you, guys. Have a good one.